Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, and thanks for listening to the Big Time Talker podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network, powered by Speaker Match, the world's largest online speakers bureau. If you're a meeting planner or a speaker, log on to speakermatch.com and get it together. I'm Burke Allen, live in Washington, D.C., where we uh, would love to have you participate in the program at 516-418-5635 or Send us a message in our chat room uh, and uh, give us your questions, your comments. For our guest today, Garrett Biss, joining us on the line from North Carolina. Garrett is a recovery mindset specialist. He's also the author of the book, The Spheres Approach to Happiness and Fulfillment. And we're talking to Garrett today because there are an awful lot of folks that are struggling during this time of the pandemic with other demons, with uh, addiction specifically. And there's some statistics that say that uh, 10% of Americans struggle with some form of addiction. And boy, this has got to be a tough time if you are already struggling with that to have to work it all out. Garrett works with those folks on a daily basis, and he joins us live now on the Big Time Talker podcast. Welcome to my old friend, Garrett Biss. How you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you. I hope you're well. Yes, sir. And uh, you and your family stay safe and healthy. Well, let's dive right into it. Garrett, you're a retired Marine Corps pilot. You're used to having a checklist as a pilot to check things off. But, boy, if, if you are struggling with addiction right now, it's got to be tough to check things off your checklist and stay safe. What, what are your folks that you work with in recovery telling you right now about how uh, COVID-19 is affecting them? Yeah, so, I mean, nationwide, we've seen a huge uptick in things that are really concerning. So, one, overdoses. So, most uh, most places are reporting about a 20% increase in overdoses. And alcohol sales, another very concerning thing, up almost 50%, uh, which is right in line with what I've been hearing people I've been talking to. You know, many people say that their, their first, you know, their journey to recovery, their journey beyond their, their life of active addiction, finding the, the steps to help them get sober or get clean or move into recovery was often the hardest things they've ever done in their life. Many people are saying that this time right now, dealing with so much change, dealing with so much added stress and uncertainty is making that maintaining their recovery almost the second hardest challenge that they've ever faced. Garrett Biss is our guest today. He's a recovery specialist, and we're talking about folks that are dealing with addiction during the pandemic. And I think uh, at the introduction of the show, I may have underplayed the numbers a little bit. And I just want to double check this. I had read that about 30 million people in America are considered to be an active addiction. um, And another 30 million Americans consider themselves in recovery. Is that right? Could that possibly be right? 60 million people? Yeah, that's right. That's the, that's the same numbers that I've seen and they're commonly reported. And that's, and of those people that are in active addiction, unfortunately with the, the tools and the resources that are out there and some of the, the barriers, whether it's social barriers or, or personal uh, barriers, only about 10% of those people are finding the help that they need. Um, 
and it, you know, that's just, it's, it's, it's tragic. That's what really what drew me into this work. Just the amount of pain and suffering that's created from this situation that so many people face. And it's not something that just touches those 30 to 60 million lives, as you mentioned, but it affects everybody. You know, it's their neighbors, it's their family members, it's their coworkers, it's their entire community. So this one thing that might touch 60 million people directly, it's really impacting everybody in, uh, in America. Let's get into that a little bit, because if, if you are um, married to someone or in a relationship with someone who's struggling with addiction, and suddenly the two of you are thrown into this self-quarantine together uh, and social distancing, that's got to really ratchet it up for the other person as much so or more so than the addict himself. Yeah, absolutely. And just the concerns that naturally come on with this. I mean, one thing that that fuels so much fear and uncertainty and discomfort around addiction is just the feeling of not being in control or that lack of control. Uh, You know, the term addiction just means becoming a slave to something. And when you've found ways to successfully navigate beyond some of those challenges or those chains of that act of addiction, and now so many things that, you know, so many things of that platform or so many, uh, so much of that foundation that you laid to help you survive in recovery is being challenged or taken away from you. And yeah, absolutely. That not only affects, uh, you know, there's many relationships that have been strained because of the, the consequence of addiction in the past. And of course, all those things coming to light now is that, that certainty or that security, that sense of security that, that a individual or a family might find in that recovery is now being challenged and that can yeah, just exacerbate that fear and that uncertainty and that concern about everything that's taking place. Recovery specialist Garrett Biss is our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast. If you'd like to be a part of the program, our number is 516-418-5635. You can also anonymously send in your questions or comments. I understand this is a sensitive topic uh, at our Big Time Talker chat room, and and we'll pass those along and, and of course, keep your identity confidential. Um, Garrett, for a, a guy like you that, that is used to working one-on-one with addicts, you obviously can't do that during a quarantine in the office. Um, are you able to take any of that work online? And if the answer is yes, how effective is it really to do this, you know, on a telephone call or a computer screen versus one-on-one in person? Yeah, that's a great question. And so the people that I work with are people that are that have moved beyond the active addiction phase, you know, that clinical treatment phase, and are now trying to get their life back together and really live into their potential in recovery. The ways that I've been able to do that traditionally is I, I do meet with some people one-on-one, but really I've been leveraging technology even before this, this pandemic, leveraging technology as much as I can, which helps with the nature of this topic. So allowing people, so kind of the work that I do is a combination of working with online program that I've created as an online school to help people go through some exercises, coupled that with one-on-one access and one-on-one coaching uh, to implement those things and to really uh, empower people to make those changes in their life. And because, as we just talked about the numbers, because there are so many people that are suffering with that, I've been moving, transitioning my business more to leveraging technology so that I can help more people uh, and reach more people and help people overcome some of those traditional barriers to getting the help that they need, like the, uh, the fear or the shame or the embarrassment of seeking help. So in that regard, technology and connecting with people over the phone or connecting people uh, with Zoom or some video chatting has been very effective. Now, of course, the, it's not as effective, just one-on-one interaction or connection between two individuals. You cannot replicate the emotional response that you have by sitting next to somebody. You can't replicate that uh, with technology. 
but it doesn't mean that video chatting with somebody is not still very effective. It's certainly better than just look, uh, talking to somebody over the phone because there's a lot of nonverbal communication that can be affected over video chat, but it's, 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 it's uh, absolutely better than not receiving that treatment or not receiving that support at all. For people that aren't, aren't comfortable or aren't familiar with those resources or those mediums of, you know, finding that support that they need over the phone or with video chat, I think this is a great time to get comfortable with that and realize how much that can provide that support. I think one of the positive, I don't think anything's either positive or negative. Obviously there's a lot of negative things that are coming from this epidemic. It's very easy to see the additional pain and the suffering, but I think with everything in life that, uh, that provides a challenge, there's also some potential benefit and that could very well be a potential benefit that we see over the long term from this pandemic, from people becoming more and more comfortable with using online technology. Maybe we can help increase that number, that that 10% estimate of, of people that are in active addiction that are receiving the support they need. Maybe through this, uh, we'll, we'll have a, a cultural shift and more people will be comfortable reaching out online, whether it's through an app or whether it's through a video chat or something like that. Garrett Biss is our guest. He's a recovery specialist, and you can find him online at thrivinginyourrecovery.com. That's thrivinginyourrecovery.com. It's all confidential, and uh, and Garrett's one of the good guys out there, so I'm sure he could be helpful to you. Um, I mentioned at the top of the program, you're a retired Marine Corps pilot, and I remember us talking shortly after you uh, you mustered out, and and. I, I'm curious is, is how uh, a guy like yourself, who was a pilot, very regimented guy, gets into uh, helping addicts and, and recovering addicts. Tell me about that journey for you. Yeah, certainly. I think I've touched on it a little bit. It's really that recognition of how much this affects everybody. For everybody, you know, for an individual that hasn't struggled with either substance use disorder or behavioral addiction or doesn't consider themselves in recovery, still this this is a topic that touches everybody. And in my efforts to bring my life experience and bring my, my talents and passions for helping other people to bring that to fruition and try to impact the greatest uh, impact create the greatest impact I can on the world, I realize this is a place that, that's really underserved, that can use all the resources, can use all the involvement. So it's really inspired me to, uh, to get involved with this. Uh, my history in the military and in the background, or I mean, just my life history in general, I've certainly had enough experience with addictive substances, addictive behaviors in my own life. So it fuels a compassion and an understanding for helping uh, connect with other people uh, on, that, How on did- that, you know, on that personal level, please. Uh, how did you uh, overcome your own addictions and, and uh, whatever they were? And I'm not sure if they were drugs or alcohol or, or something else, but uh, what worked for you? So I, I believe what worked for me is just gaining a greater understanding on what those substances and behaviors, what that role was in my life. And what I've learned about addiction and addictive substances and behaviors is that, that in and of itself, that addiction is not the problem. What that addiction is, it's an attempt to solve a problem that lies much deeper. Uh, and and it becomes that coping mechanism, that maladaptive coping mechanism that helps people deal. Well, trying to remove that substance or behavior, the times that I try to do that in my own life, it was always a failure because I never dug deeper and tried to get to that root problem. Uh, and that's And that's the direction that I take with people that I work with. It's understanding that for every individual who's ever struggled with a substance or behavior, they took a different pathway. Their life is a different combination of conditions and life experiences that led them down to the path 
to where they need this substance or behavior to feel like they can emotionally survive. And because of that, it's going to be a different journey for every individual beyond that and into, uh, into the better place. So through some transformational work that I did in my own life and some coaching and great mentorship that I had, I was able to find really dig deep and, and, and find what were some of those root causes of problems. And they're, they're common things that show up for many people, whether it's a lack of meaning and purpose, something that really fills that existential void in your life, or whether it's a, a deflated self-esteem or lack of self-efficacy, these things show up in, in, in many people that have struggled with substances and behaviors. But for each individual, it takes a different way to go about that, to find what that problem is or find the, the solution that will help them move beyond that struggle. One of the saddest things that I see is somebody that finds their way to recovery or to sobriety, or they learn to live without that substance or behavior that they became uh, reliant on but they never deal with those root causes of those deeper issues so that their entire life in recovery is one of just suffering against that craving or that, that, uh, that emotional need for whatever that substance or behavior was. It's such a sad uh, reality to see because that's so much wasted potential. That's so much uh, burden of emotional pain and guilt and suffering. That's just not necessary. And that, and even for somebody in recovery that continues to play a cause on so not, not only themselves, but their family. Our guest is Garrett Biss. He's a recovery specialist, the author of the book, The Spheres, Approach to Happiness and Fulfillment. And you can find him online at thrivinginyourrecovery.com. That's thrivinginyourrecovery.com. We're talking about dealing with addictions during a time when most of us in America are, are locked down now due to this global pandemic and how this has really ratcheted up issues in the mental health business. And and I guess, you know, we, we've talked a lot about drugs and, and alcohol, um, but there are a ton of addictions that could be a real issue now. If you are a junk food person, uh, being stuck at home and having all that around you could be a thing. If you, uh, if you have a porn addiction, if, if you're addicted to just scrolling on your cell phone nonstop, if it's, uh, you know, online shopping and, and just, you know, sitting in front of the home shopping network, and, you know, $10,000 later, you come up online gambling. I guess all of those things could really be worse than ever for, you know, a world that is stuck at home with extra time on their hands. Absolutely. And all those things that you just mentioned and a long list of others are all things that have that addictive uh, propensity that, that in their nature. So things that become addictive, they have, they provide us with a, a certain relief and it's used, you know, whether it works on the dopamine pathways in our brains or whether it works on uh, the opioid system in our brain, what it does is providing some sense of relief. And as you just touched on, as people are feeling the pressure of being home and looking for some escape or something to engage in uh, because they're bored and they're trying to fill the time because they just have extra stress and they're trying to offload that Unfortunately, it's also a prime place for the seeds of these addictive um, behaviors or these addictive habits to take root in us. And they look at, look at some of the research on changing habits, creating or changing habits in our life. And they say, once you've repeated something over and over for some reports, say 20 days, some say 60 days, then it really starts to change the habitual patterns of your brain, change the neuro pathways in your brain. And look at how long people are being sequestered. It could be up to 60 days for many people, hopefully not, not much beyond that. But if you've created this, if you're creating this habit of whether it's binge watching on Netflix and you just can't get through the day without watching a couple hours of that, or whether it's online shopping or whether it's surfing porn or whether 
you're, you know, you're, you're beginning to grab that beer every day that maybe you would only enjoy on the weekends. All these things have that ability to change that pattern, which really, uh, which really scares me because some of the research about the number of people that are in the active addiction or in recovery also talk about the number of people that are at high risk of going down that, that path or, or, uh, further in that addiction curve and those there's uh, as many as 60 million adult Americans that are in that place where just a couple extra stressors a couple extra things on their plate or some challenge to the security that they were feeling could be enough to push them over that over that path and over that direction and that's what fear that's what scares me the most is the number of people that might very well enter active addiction because of coping mechanisms that they develop just from trying to live through this this epidemic well, you know, certainly the whole world is in a jacked up place right now. And uh, and I think about this a lot in, in my neighborhood, Garrett. There's a grocery store that's within walking distance of where I live. And right next to the grocery store is the state liquor store. Um, yeah. Most other businesses in that shopping plaza are closed now. They're non-essential businesses. You know, the dry cleaner, the jewelry store, all of those folks are, are no longer in operation. But the liquor store, every time I walk by it to get to the grocery store next door, is doing an incredibly brisk business. And I wonder, as, as a recovery specialist, do you think that liquor stores should be open right now? Is that an essential business? Or would it do more you know, harm than good to, to shut those places down and, and have folks go cold turkey during something like this? Uh, this is what you do, so I would be curious to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, so great question, and you know, you see arguments both, uh, you know, both for shutting them down and both for keeping them, keeping them open. The greatest concern for for keeping them open is that this could be, you know, this is, can just fuel that that uh, propensity toward drinking or towards using alcohol as a, as a solution to your problems that can help, you know, that can really further people down that path towards addiction. And I think that's a that's a tremendous risk. But we're looking at these numbers of up to 30 million people in America that are that are living in active addiction. A good majority of those people, their their drug of choice is alcohol, and alcohol is one of the few drugs of choice that can kill you if you try to go cold turkey. For some people, you know, it's only an estimated 10% of people who's alcohol that alcohol that would be considered alcoholics or that alcohol is a drug of choice. I've heard about 10% of those people are are physically dependent on it to the point where it could kill them if they try to go cold turkey. So you take what's that 3 million people, maybe as many as 3 million people. If you have that, uh, you know, the chance that they're going through that, that withdrawal and now they need that medical attention. Now we're placing that additional burden. So certainly risk and reward. Um, and, and I don't know a better way to navigate, to navigate that path. You know, could you have everybody that is an alcoholic kind of, you know, maybe be prescribed. I don't know that that's, that's a solution either because the amount of shame and everything that's already around uh, addiction in general so, yeah, though, though it's going to add a lot of risk and though I have concerns about the fact that many more people are going to become reliant on uh, alcohol for their emotional sanity during this time, shutting it down, unfortunately, I don't think it's a, a viable option. Garrett Biss is our guest today, and I love that we're talking through this rather than making you know, knee-jerk reactions to things. He is a, a recovery specialist. He's also the author of the book, The Fears Approach to Happiness and Fulfillment, and you can find him online at thrivinginyourrecovery.com. All right, let's get into We've talked a lot about the problems. Let's talk about some solutions. What, what do you think works out there to help folks who are dealing with addiction uh, maybe are in recovery or are on the other side. They're they're living with 
a person dealing with addiction or recovery. What, you know, what, what can happen? What can you do? Let's talk about a couple of things that, uh, that, that might be helpful. Certainly. So let's talk about, you know, if there's people that are maybe pre-addiction or those people that are higher risk for developing, you know, they're, they, they haven't struggled actively. They've never been in a clinical phase, but maybe there's some things in their life that make them high risk. So the, the biggest thing that really changed in my life is just accepting some humility and accepting some, the fact that I didn't think I was any better than anybody else who's ever struggled with an addiction. I just, you know, I count myself blessed that my life uh, didn't go worse or that the addictive substances or behaviors that I abused weren't, uh, didn't have a greater detrimental effect on my life, but I never consider myself now. I don't consider myself any better or worse than somebody who has gone down that path. I'm just grateful that my life has taken the journey that it has. But with that in mind, one thing I would just uh, highly recommend everybody is to just accept that even if it's just for a short period of time, accept the fact that you're no better or worse. That's, that's one of the things that's come out of this opioid epidemic is that we're seeing how it's, it cuts across every social classification or barrier and it touches people everywhere, which has been a huge awakening for people that consider themselves uh, maybe uh, protected from or exempt, whether it was socioeconomic reasons or community reasons or education reasons. They kind of felt that they, they had this false sense of security that maybe they were exempt from the struggles with addiction in their life or they'd gotten beyond that. Well, I'd, I'd ask everybody to just accept the fact that you're human, and because you are human, you have the propensity to um, – toward addiction or you have the ability you have the the potential to be overcome by addictive substance or nature uh, uh substance or behavior if the right things happen so being mindful of that and just accepting that just you know uh just keeping an open mind and accepting that and then the next thing i would follow that up with is just be mindful of the things in your life that have the propensity for addiction so anything that provides that temporary relief of pain or that discomfort. And there's many common things that we think of, the common drugs and substances that we think of, but there's also many other things as you touched on, you know, junk food, anything that is high in salts and fats or high in sugar has the same effect on our brain as many addictive substances. It, 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 uh, it stimulates a release of dopamine, which has a calming effect on us and helps calm some stress. Uh, online shopping has, you know, provides that little bit of a dopamine hit. Pornography, getting online and watching that. If you become, if you introduce yourself to those things uh, in too much of quantity, or some for some cases in any quantity at all, then you can be opening up the door and inviting in that that propensity for addiction. So one thing that we can do is just be mindful of that. You know, just recognize that this bag of chips that I'm grabbing has an addictive uh, nature to it, or it can provide some relief, and just be mindful of the amount of things that we're consuming, the things that we're doing, the things that we're watching as we navigate this this hard time. Garrett Biss is our guest today. We're talking about the implications of this pandemic for folks that are struggling with addiction. And I've got a sort of a long chat message here. It's actually from a lady in North Carolina where you are, um, yeah. somewhere else in the state. She's asked to, is to not use her name, but she is living with uh, someone who is severely addicted to alcohol. He um, and again, I'm paraphrasing the, the, the uh, chat message here, but he hides uh, bottles of alcohol out in their garden and uh, all over the place. And, and she feels very cut off from the rest of the world during the pandemic. And she's in this tough situation with this guy who's uh, apparently really struggling and has been for some time. 
any advice that I can pass along to this lady in North Carolina who's, who's dealing with, with being isolated with someone who is deep in the throes of alcoholism? Yeah, so, certainly. So, you know, one of the most tragic things about addiction is that it makes everybody feel helpless. It makes those people that are struggling with it personally feel helpless, and it makes other people feel helpless, especially when it's somebody that's close to us and somebody that we care about, somebody that we would like to be able to help, whether that's a close friend or whether it's a loved one or a family member. There's just, they, you know, they say if you could love somebody out of addiction, then nobody would be addicted or nobody would struggle with it. Unfortunately, that love and that even the strongest desire to help somebody through it isn't going to be enough. But with that in mind, and to kind of answer this lady's personal question, mm-hmm. there, there are some things that you can do to make your, to help protect your sanity and help put you in a better place. She was talking about isolation, which is, and this is kind of my second point for everybody is that we must be, I, I hate the name social distancing. I think it's got a, you know, it's, it's a misnomer because it's not socially distancing that we're trying to create It's physical distancing. That's going to protect us. What we need is social connection during this time by alternate means. Uh, so leveraging the resources that we do have and taking advantage of that to try to get as much social connection as we can have. So we feel less of that sense of isolation. Uh, there's been a lot of people doing it through video chat, whether that's on your, your iPhone or whether that's through Skype or, or messenger, but there can be a tremendous benefit that comes from that. And I would highly recommend for everybody to make a plan to put something on your calendar, to connect with somebody uh, over video, whether you sit down and you enjoy a lunch together as you might have, if, it, if you weren't you know, safe in your home, but do it over video chat and you can still have some of that, that great uh, benefit that comes from the social social connection. So feeling in those, that isolation, I would recommend connecting with other people socially as you can over, maybe if, even if it's over a phone call that you, uh, you're calling somebody you wouldn't normally call or connecting with somebody you haven't connected with in a while. The other thing I highly recommend connecting with is nature. Most places it's still safe to get outside and get into nature, whether it's in a park or whether it's in the woods, depending on where you live, it might be more challenging, but if there's any way that you can connect more with nature and get out and just help move your energy uh, as we're sequestering in our homes. It limits physical activity, which is another thing that can really help us deal with and process the emotions that are coming up is that physical activity. So if you can't do that in your own home, but you can get out and go for a walk around the block or around the park, then that can be another great thing to help deal with that. You know, I talked to a, a lady a few days ago and, and she said that she had organized her closet for the first time in years and it, it was really good for her to do that. And, and I can see where that sort of physical activity, somewhat mindless physical activity, you know, mowing your, your lawn uh, could be helpful in a time like this. Yeah, absolutely. And cleaning up those messes, cleaning up those things in our life. So this is one thing I learned from a mentor of mine, Jack Canfield, who's been studying self-esteem and personal development for 40 some years. But one thing that he really impressed upon me was this idea of these little messes and these little tolerations that we have. There can be simple things around our house, whether it's that messy closet or the garage that needs to be cleaned out or those weeds that we haven't pulled in two years. When we begin to tolerate these things, it has a subconscious effect on our self-esteem or our self-efficacy, and this carries forward and out into the world or out into our work, and we begin to question whether we are capable of certain things or whether we do deserve certain things. We might not rationally or, or uh, consciously recognize it, but the more things that we let, um, let happen uh, or let go in our lives, whether it's that mess that we see every day when we get home 
or these things that are kind of piling up that we haven't dealt with, then these are the messages that our subconscious remembers when we attempt to take on a new challenge or we attempt to put ourselves out there. Our subconscious might be sharing these messages with us. Like you, you think you're going to succeed here. You think that you deserve that. Like you can't even deal with your messy closet at home. So with that in mind, having this opportunity to spend the extra time in our house and clean up these things that are in our common environment, this place where we we normally spend eight to 16 hours a day in our homes, uh, now much more than that, of course, but if we can clean up that environment around us, it will have tremendous effects on our self-esteem and our self-efficacy moving forward and moving beyond this epidemic. So when mom told you to make up the bed when you were a kid, she was onto something there. You make that bed up before you head out for the day. I love it. Garrett Biss, our guest today. And we have a note here from Bill, who is uh, in Lawton, Oklahoma. And he says, uh, it would be good to remind your listeners that if they don't have FaceTime on their phones, that the Zoom platform has uh, free service. That's true. You can sign up for a free Zoom account and see each other and uh, – I think that's a great a great comment, Bill. Thank you so much for sending that in. Is that something that you do a lot or you recommend a lot to your folks that are struggling with addiction to get one of these uh, online video chat platforms that are free? Certainly. Like I said, you know, that physical contact with somebody, you know, from a, from a physiological perspective, an emotional perspective, there's no way to replicate that. But to have video connection with somebody and be able to see their facial expressions as you're talking with them is so much better than talking over the phone and so much certainly better than not talking at all. And there are, there's many different technologies that are now making it available. Just messenger on your phone. Now you can video with other people. Uh, Zoom is certainly a popular one, especially in the business space. And you, yes, you can get free accounts. I think a free account, you can hold a, you can host a meeting for up to 40 minutes. So maybe that's a good excuse for some people who don't want to chat too long with somebody and they can get off after 40 minutes. But there's so many, <laughs> there you go. There's so many creative ways that we can bring this into our lives. I, I would challenge everybody to try to think of some new creative way. As I mentioned, having lunch with somebody last night, my family, we had a, a family dinner together my daughter and, and myself and, and my father in North, in North Carolina. And we connected with my nieces and my mom in Florida uh, who were both at separate houses. So we brought three houses together and had a huge meal that we would only ever experience maybe on the holidays, but it just shows uh, the, what you can do when you get creative and ways that you can, uh, things that you can invite into your life. So as we have this time to experiment with some things, maybe we can start some new traditions or, or start le- learning some new ways to bring more joy and, into our life. I think that's a great idea. I love the, the idea of the, the family get together on separate computers in separate states. That's terrific. And, and uh, you know, you hear all the, all the time that, that we're all in this together. I think we're all in this together, but in very different ways. Certainly someone who's struggling with uh, this in, in Jamaica, Queens, in New York, where the sirens go from ambulances 24-7 and so many folks around you are sick or or maybe dealing with it differently than someone who's self-isolated in, in Wyoming and, and where there aren't any neighbors near them most of the time anyway. And uh, I will tell you this, Garrett, for what it's worth, I have a 15-year-old son, and I have really found it a blessing to have this extra time at home with him while he's doing his online schooling for the rest of the year, and I'm not traveling for business as much. So uh, yeah. there are blessings to be had even in, in tough times. Right. And that's right. And, and for everybody that's going to show up differently, I heard a great, um, there was a great reflection shared on Facebook yesterday saying that everybody here, we're, we're not in the same boat. That's been a phrase that's thrown around a lot. We're not in the same boat. We're in the same storm, but everybody is surviving the storm in their own boat or in a different boat. 
So for everybody, there are consequences. There are costs, as you mentioned, probably financial costs from not traveling and, and having your work uh, change. But there's also opportunities. So maybe your opportunities don't look the same as somebody else's. It doesn't mean that there's not some benefit or some opportunity that you, uh, that you don't have in your own boat. And for those that feel that the whole world's against them and the whole uh, stack of cards has come crashing down, Think about those people that you might know in your life that might be in that situation and reach out to them and see what you might be able to do to help, even if it's just lending that ear or, or connecting with them on a video chat. See what you can do. We've been talking with recovery specialist and the author of The Sphere's Approach to Happiness and Fulfillment, Garrett Biss, about how the uh, pandemic has had major implications for all the tens of millions of Americans who struggle with addiction. Garrett, we're almost out of time. I'll leave you with the last word. What say you? Just keep these couple things in mind. So be mindful of those addictive substances or behaviors you might be exposing yourselves to. Be mindful of the lifelong implications it might have on your life if you become too dependent on them. And really leverage connections as much as you can, whether it's connection with yourself, whether it's connection with nature, whether it's connection with other people by leveraging some video platform. If you'd like to find out more about Garrett and the work he does with folks recovering from addiction, you can find him online at thrivinginyourrecovery.com, thrivinginyourrecovery.com. Garrett, I want to thank you for your service to the country as a Marine Corps pilot and your service to your fellow Americans, helping them recover from addiction. You're one of the good guys, and I appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. I appreciate you. Thank you, Burke. You bet. Hey, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, stay safe. Stay healthy. Thank you so much for listening. Go out there and in your own way, make it a great day. Bye, everybody. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 